Oh my God, we did it. We did. We done Look did at our illustrious new surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, we Welcome to Incarcerated, by the way. I'm Lee Scott. I'm Kevin Scott. And uh, we decided to sort of co-op uh, some area here. We have had the graciousness of uh, WGOT here in Gainesville, uh, Gainesville Community Radio, and the Civic Media Center have been kind enough to let us use their space. Um, but, the, you know, GOT was so crowded that when we have guests, uh, it was tough. And yeah. um, our good friend Arnie from Real Fake Rooms is going to come build us a set here at some point. So we were like, we should start angling towards having a little more space. Um, all of these are the books that we have read. So we wrote, we wrote each of these books. No, this, it does feel it's cooler. It's not quite as hot in here. Showing a lot of leg today. There's a lot of thigh action happening. Yeah, what's going on down here? <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll show you. Crotch cam. Uh, oh god. Uh, no, but it does feel like a little more. Um, it does feel like less like confined. Like there was, there's something a little like warm and kind of like claustrophobic. In that relaxed. Room. This is a relaxed. Uh, this is the new and improved relaxed on Cars And we told you when you joined us uh, way back a couple of months ago that we were going to grow the show. Um, part of that is going to be um, the type of guests we get on. Uh, and part of it is going to be promotionally. And, you know, we'll have T-shirts available, all that good stuff, a website coming. Um, but part of it is the production quality. So uh, at this point, uh, I'm really confident uh i listen to a lot of podcasts and we have brought the heat kevin the type of guests we've had on the 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 depth of the conversations not only has it been people's personal narratives coming in and out of the criminal justice system um and people in the prison reform world and education world um but it's been emotional and enlightening and funny and uh we wanted the quality of the production to match the quality of the content and so we're gonna you know we hope that you the listener haven't watched an episode and went "Eh, i can't that's unwatchable you know um or unlistenable worse yeah i agree i mean it it's helpful certainly if you can you know have like you know clear video clear audio uh, it definitely helps in terms of like just like appeal and like wanting to like engage with it and all that stuff. And I, I agree with you. I think it has been uh, cool to have like our guests, and we have so many guests that are like lined up, ready to go. That it's like almost like uh, even like a way to kind of like honor them and like salute them. Like uh, I know oftentimes like in this world, in the world of like incarceration, there's like this like we've talked about it before a little bit, but the stereotype of like, these are lesser quality people in some way where we know that to be the opposite, that these are like very high quality people. And so why not have the highest quality things for the highest quality people as a way to like kind of match the caliber of our guests and their experience. Uh, Totally, Uh, you know, and I think the show is obviously DIY and a little bit underground and a little bit off the beaten path. And so I think doing it in a place like CMC is perfect. Um, I love our new setup here, but we will continue to grow the show because I I do feel like um, these stories need to be heard. And on that note, please like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment, because when you do that, it's not just boosting our ego, which is nice, um, but it but it helps increase uh, kind of circumvent uh, YouTube's algorithm, which is only set to Logan Paul. <laughs> um, so uh, YouTube, TikTok, you know, it's a young man's game, Kevin. Um, so we've got to work twice as hard, but that uh, is exactly what people who have been incarcerated have to do. They have to work often twice, three, four times as hard. Um, they have to hustle. They have to hustle. What a great segue, Lee. That was a classy. So uh, one of the things that we've been wanting to talk about, this has come up, we've, there's like quite a few topics uh, related to incarceration that we wanted to kind of unpack from an insider's point of view, people who've kind of been through it, people who've had the lived experience. And one thing that's come up uh, in our own conversation and uh, that people have asked about as well um, is hustles. How do people get by inside, in Florida in particular, Florida is one of the handful of states that do not pay prisoners for their mandatory labor. Uh, yet things cost money while you're in prison. So how, a lot of money. A lot of money. So how how do you do it? So there's there's quite a bit to unpack here, uh, but basically the, the the big picture topic of of today uh, is hustling hustles in prison. 
That's right. And uh, we have gotten a lot of feedback from you, uh, the viewer, the listener. And uh, one of the things that we have done um, is we have alternated on Uncarcerated from people who have lived experience and we've talked about their journey home and also people in the in the world of criminal justice as well. Um, but one of the things that we kind of took for granted and didn't think anybody would really uh, want to dive into was sort of the inside baseball, you know, the glossary, the definitions. And that's some of the feedback we've gotten is like, hey, when you all talk about commissary or like a fight, like where do you guys smoke cigarettes? Like that kind of stuff. And so we have a list that we're working down to give you the inside um, and, and I know that many of my friends and loved ones watch this show and they want to know what my experience personally was like, uh, Kevin, if, if he had friends also would be, uh, they'd be watching. Um, and so this is a chance for you to see, uh, sort of like how we got by in there. So the hustle, um, I think the place to start, we're going to break this down into three categories. Uh, one is currency in prison two, the hustle mentality and three, the types of hustles. Uh, and obviously this show is super tangential um, and we're going to go in a lot of different directions, but I think the place to start is how do you buy things in prison? Uh, money. 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 And, money and is the short answer. We yeah. call it money in prison. Mm -hmm. We don't say I'm giving you this item. We say I'm giving you this dollar amount. It's called, buy. it's called money. You're going to buy, you got to pay. You got to buy, and you better pay. Mm -hmm. You better fucking pay. That's right. Yeah, and, and I I will say this has come up too, like the the economy and currency of prison is so unique. It's so strange. Right. It's like almost in defiance of actual value uh, outside of a prison. But like, because prison has its own... Uh, you know, things matter more. So, some things that might not matter a lot on the street matter a lot in there and, and vice versa. So there's like this different like valuation of things that are very distinct and unique to prison. It's like a fucking, uh, like an, an absurd economy at times. We're like, in the upside down. Absolutely. And I, and I think like to, to sort of give you an example for you out there uh, that are interested in cryptocurrency, prison is proof that cryptocurrency will work uh, because <laughs> you don't need... You don't need uh, the financial system for things to work. Um, buying and selling and trading will happen no matter what. So let's start from the top down. Um, the, the biggest hustle is uh, Aramark and JPay and the commissary companies that provide items to the prisoners. Um, their store is either called the commissary the canteen or the store. So you might hear us use those words interchangeably, but basically they have started the hustle. And that is, we know that you cannot survive on the less than 2000 calories, um, low protein diets that are provided by the prison system. So we've provided these other things and, and, and it could be anything and it's, it's pretty limited, um, but it's everything from ramen noodles to tunas to cookies, um, cookies honey buns, chips. Peanut butter squeeze, cheese squeeze. Right. Just random, none of it's very healthy. Oatmeal cookies. It's kind of shit. Cheetos, it's kind of shit flaming food. hot Cheetos, which yeah. was my nickname in prison, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then pens, pencils, uh, art supplies, clothing. So shoes, sandals, uh, t-shirts, boxers, socks. Um, because when you get to prison, uh, they only issue you uh, one or two pairs of socks, boxers, t-shirt. Yeah, not enough. And uh, once that's gone through the laundry one time, it comes back brown. They, they, yeah, there's this sort of element of like, we will give you enough uh, to technically survive, but knowing that you will definitely uh, crave more and need more than what we're going to give you. And it creates a demand sort of like just by its own existence. And so like, even like hygiene items, for example, here's one square of soap and this has to last you X number of days. It's not enough soap for X number of days. And so like, you're gonna wanna wash your ass. You live in Florida where there's no air conditioning in the prison, you're gonna get hot, you're gonna get sweaty. You're gonna need more toilet paper than they give you. So like they, they sort of create this like demand and then um, 
you have to go to the store, the canteen, and that could be up to seven times as expensive as the grocery store on the outside. Those so, are actual statistics, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the real number. And so like, you know, just to, to keep hammering at home, you are earning zero cents per hour. You are earning nothing. You have the ability to earn nothing unless you're at some prison that has like a private industry that pays you cents, literally cents per hour. Uh, and that's a rarity. For the most part, most prisoners in Florida earn zero, zero, zero their entire time inside. That's not true everywhere. There are some prisons around the country that pay a very micro minimal amount to people for doing yard work, um, DOT work squads in Florida. It is not that way. So uh, I'm just going to give you an example of what happens when you go to prison and you get a job. Okay. Um, if you have, say, under 10 years uh, and your minimum or medium security, meaning you don't have some like awful violent crime, uh, immediately they put you what's called out the gate. And that means that you will report to the front gate every day, um, either a corrections officer or a um, uh, like a city or county official will come pick you up in a truck and they'll take you to do any number of jobs. Uh, the biggest one in Florida is Department of Transportation, DOT. They fill multi-million dollar contracts to have roads paved, roads redone, medians weed-eated, mowed, all filled with free slave labor by people that are incarcerated. And they get zero dollars for that. And by the way, if you're sitting at home going, well, why would you even do it? Why don't you just sit down and tell them I'm not going to do it? Because you'll go to the box, which... If you think Florida prisons are hot, they don't have AC. It's like 100 degrees in there all the time. The walls literally sweat. Go to the box where it's easily 120 and you get all your commissary taken away, no visits, no phone calls. So you, you have to go work. It's forced slave labor. And they inspect your asshole. Every day. Twice. Every day. <laughs> twice a day. Uh, like, if you go to work at McDonald's, how often does your manager check your asshole? Three times a week? <laughs> if that if no, I'm I, no i mean so it is so you have you have no money you have a, a tremendous amount of need yes uh and, and to, to say like to limit it to say like well it's just want you don't really need it. it it actually is like a need like there's like you need more nutrition you need better hygiene you get hungry you, at you, night you need clean yeah. you need clean uh surroundings although like, i will say though did you did you ever you know, there's an archetype of like characters you run into in prison. Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before. There's like, use the Bible to manipulate you guy. Mm -hmm. There is eat everything on your tray if you're not going to eat it guy. Mm -hmm. um, there is always has the TV remote guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's these yeah, yeah, yeah. hygiene guy. Like super clean guy? It's not even super clean. He just always needs hygiene items. Yeah. There's always yeah. one guy in the dorm that is like, he'll trade all <laughs> the food that he hustled up all the, all the uh, yeah. put in time because he needs 50 deodorants. I've looked in guys' lockers before and I'm like, why do you have 50 deodorants? Man, I like to stay clean. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what? How would you smell otherwise? So, yeah, so like, so there's, there's the, there's the need, there's right. the need, there's, and there's a cost to achieve those things. You are earning nothing. So there's two things that can happen. Either somebody that loves you uh, on the outside sends money to you. And we know from statistics and our own experience, most of the people in prison are already representing impoverished communities, already come from low income families. Right. So that money, if it arrives, is coming from a family or, or people that are already hurting financially for the most part. It gets um, significantly taxed yes. before it even gets there. So if you want to put $20 on for someone that you love, it ends up costing you almost $30. Families spend annually three billion a year just on food and phone calls alone right that's just food and phone calls in the united states yes so like that which is insane so and we're just talking about really at this point we're not even including the food we're just talking about like uh, i mean i mean not, not the phone we're talking about food and commissary right so like that money is coming from impoverished uh families by and large or the other way is you got to make your own money somehow while you're inside right and also let's let's not glance over the fact that a lot of people uh depending on how much time you have people forget about you they move on people die or maybe you know you you burnt some bridges so mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are completely alone and they never get any money 
on their books. Money on the books, by the way, keep that phrase in mind because we've got some, uh, we've got some hustles coming up on the show uh, with that <laughs> phrase, but money on your books means putting money in your inmate account uh, so that you can spend money on uh, phone calls, food, um, necessities, hygiene products. So Kevin outlined that there is a need, there is a lack of, and you've got to fill it somehow, um, and that it is seven times more expensive to get any of these items than it would be on the streets. So not only are your, is your family losing money, they put $20 on for you, uh, and they had to spend 30, but that money that you now have uh, goes one-seventh as far as it would if you were going to the grocery store. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's insane. And, and so now you're, you're suffering, your family is suffering, because of like the the outpouring of finances, the the emotional toll, we won't even like, don't even need to get into that. Uh, so you now have to either bleed your loved ones dry all the time, or for some people, like you're saying, there is no one, they have nothing, or maybe the bridges have been burned. Their inmate account will never get above the number zero. It can certainly go lower, and it will go lower than Touch zero. Touch on that for a second, Kevin. So, so if how you, does someone have less than zero in prison? Oh, it's so easy, Lee. Uh, so, so if you say you get sick you, you, and you need medical attention, you have to fill out a form that says, I would like to please see someone from the medical department. And they go, okay, that will cost you $5. So your zero has now gone to negative five. Between five and 15. Correct. If, if, if it's like an x-ray or you need medication, then you're looking at- God help you. Me. Know, right, so. Yeah, so, so, and that will just keep getting lower and lower. So say- you've had a few different illnesses and you now have your inmate account reads minus 25 and your dear grandmother decides to send you $30. They will take 25 of that to bring you back up to zero and then give you the great mercy of $5. So let's say you had $5 Kevin, <laughs> yeah. and you haven't gotten money for like a month mm -hmm. and you may not get money for another month. How would you Kevin spend that $5? $5. Uh, I really had a deep, deep romance and renaissance in prison with Fritos. Oh, and so I really, okay. <laughs> for some reason, I went like ape shit on Fritos, uh, and I would I would get some fucking Fritos. That was like a that was a definite like comfort snack for me for some reason. I I, I would like eat them like one at a time and just like really like savor it. Yeah, yeah. Do you would, know what it is for me? What? If I only had five dollars, I'm getting. Uh, so let's see if I'm gonna do the math in my head because they were 76 cents a piece. I still remember this. I would get seven bags, which was the amount you could order. You could only order. Oh, by the way, there's limits on what you can order. I would mm. get butterscotch candies. Oh, wow. Man, I love butterscotches. Oh, interesting. And it was like something to do, you know, it was like, I'd always have one. Um, and, and then oh, they last you know, a while. And they last a while. And then also I would use those candies in case anybody asked me for something. If you if someone comes up to your bunk and they ask you for something and you don't have it or to give, but like me, I'm a nice guy, so I end up like giving all of my coffee away because mm. people oh. one at a time coffee, come up and coffee, they ask coffee. for a cup of coffee, right? And, and you know, like your buddies would go, "Hey, man, you gotta you gotta learn to say no, right?" But it's never saying no to them. They always want you to start with someone else, right? <laughs> yeah. So not to me. So I, you say yes to me. Yeah, no, you always. say no to them. Fools. You always say yes to me. And and if you said no, Kevin, what would they say to you? What do you mean? Oh, like if you said no, I don't have it to give. What the, would they say? I mean, off of that, well, what else you got? Like like they or or just like fuck you're you. a crab. Yeah, yeah. Like they would. You're like, a crab. Yeah, you're selfish. Like yeah, you would you wouldn't give a crippled crab a crush. Right. Yeah. Shit like right. That. Yeah. So I use the butterscotch candies to to parse out stuff. I would go, oh no, I, I can't. I don't have any coffee, but you want a piece of candy, and then I don't seem like an asshole. Would people take the candy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they, they're like, oh, well, they gave me something. Yeah. Thanks, Grandma. One time. Thanks for the uh, butterscotch, Grandma. <laughs> when, the, when you get to prison, like once a year, they have to show you these uh, prison rape videos. They're called mm. Priya. And, and they bring you all into the gym or the library or whatever, uh, like a couple hundred people at a time. And they show you these videos that were made in the 1970s. And the guy is like in prison for the first time. And he walks into his cell. And there's like a candy bar on his bed. Mm. And he's like, hey. I don't know who put this in here, but I don't want it because he knows that it's like trade for sex or whatever. So one time we were watching those Priya videos and uh, 
I made it back to the dorm before everybody and I put one piece of butterscotch candy on everyone's bed. <laughs> so when they came in, they all had candy on their bed. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, it's a shock that I wasn't murdered while I was in there. Um, so, so that's where we're at with, um, you know, you, you, there's a need. Um, it doesn't go very far. Um, and then if you don't get money, you have to come up with what's known as a hustle. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a second, so but I, I want to go over the cost. Okay. okay. Before we get into the mentality of the hustle, let's go over the cost of what these items are. Okay. So a bag of coffee, uh, anywhere, sorry, uh, anywhere from four to $7 for a bag of coffee. Yeah. I, I know it's gone up. So I, I've been out for six years, over six years. And I know it's gone up multiple times since then. And I, I don't even know what it is now. Like, I mean, I, I know like, and when, when we were there, they were like, man, like it's really gone up. Right. Like it was already, right. It was already rising and it's risen farther, even higher since we left. So I don't even know what it is now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was like five, six bucks. For yeah. It's five ninety nine. And, and, and it's like to, to say a bag of coffee, by the way, it's like, it's like four ounces. Yeah. It's like a, like a Ziploc container that's got pre-ground coffee in it. And when I was there, it was Billy. It was like some goat had a goat on it. It was called like Billy something. And then, <laughs> there's literally a fucking goat on it. I wouldn't call it hoof powder. Uh, it was it was not good. Um, but yeah, it's basically just like a Ziploc bag of coffee. You scoop it out. You put hot water. It's instant coffee. Yeah. It's it's instant shitty coffee, and and the price of it uh, is astronomical compared to like what it's actually valued at. Yeah. Uh, same with ramen noodles. It's like many times more expensive per package of ramen noodles like in a 60 cents for a ramen noodle what is it in the grocery uh, on store the streets now? is like 20 cents yeah okay so three yep. times as much there yep. uh a honey bun is a dollar 25 um jars of peanut butter are like nine dollars um they're three dollars at home yeah um i know the same is true like i we didn't experience this personally but i know when doing research for just income for example like when we were like kind of calculating costs and things looking at the women's prisons as well, their commissary was like astronomical as well. And they have them, you know, like all their hygiene items were like, holy shit. Wait, they get pink tax in prison too? It's insane. Holy insane. shit. Yeah, it's like, so like, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, the food, the hygiene, all of these things are like, you know, multi, they can be up to seven times the, the, the price of what, you know, a, a citizen who's earning money and free on the street would be charged. Meanwhile, somebody who's captive, unable to generate money, is at the mercy of the entire institution is going to be gouged, uh, which is just you know, corruption. It's greed. It's it's preying on people in their most it's predatory for sure. Absolutely. Um, a pack of tuna is two dollars. A bag of Cheetos or flaming hot Cheetos is usually like a dollar twenty nine. Fritos I think were a dollar twenty nine. Something like that. Yeah, um, right. So I'm just giving you the cost of everything, so you can kind of get an idea what how ridiculous it is if you want to say make a little snack for yourself at night um a couple of ramen noodles and a bag of fritos now you're talking like two or three dollars you do that seven nights a week that's like 30 bucks um bag of coffee uh is like six bucks and then hygiene items you'd say average you know seven to ten dollars a week you're talking 40 to 50 dollars a week to live i think i had my budget down to like 33 dollars a week Mm -hmm. it, it like for like basic necessities that's not any extra stuff um yeah. and then you get into the bigger items like uh, a radio uh if you want a radio that's usually like 40 to 50 dollars um t-shirts uh anywhere from three to eight dollars for that flannels um like thermals and thermals shit. yeah yeah, yep. yeah shoes because it gets cold in there it sure does yes yeah, so, yeah there's any number of ways to like just Fucking rip you off, basically. Yeah, they, they got you by the balls. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, like that's it's, it's either you do it or or you, or suffer. you starve yeah, or you yeah. can smell. Yep, um, and are never able to write home. Right. So uh, that's sort of like think of those items uh, as we go through this next part of this conversation. Think of bag of coffee is six bucks, a tuna is two dollars, soups. Uh, then you take that currency and it's rounded up just a little bit for the hustlers to be able to do quick math and do trades, whether it's on the poker table or any of the puzzles we're about to get into. So, um, you know, two soups are a dollar, right? Bag of coffee, they'd call it $5. A tuna would be $2. So that way you can take like, like you have dollar bills, $5 bills, $10 bills, 20s, yeah. and you're able to make change. They literally make change. If you, someone owes you 
$5, right? And you have three bags of coffee, they'll give you eight soups back. So that's how that's how the currency works. That's how the exchange goes. There's like an exchange rate that goes on for all this stuff. Yeah, it's its own economy unique to the to the prison itself. So fucking weird. And and so yeah, so if you're someone who is getting nothing, you have to get into the the mindset of I will, I must generate some money through some means. And there we can get into like the different varieties of. But I think it's important that for for some people, like it is, uh, it's a thing to do with their time. It's an obsession, like the hustle. Yes, yeah, yes. There, there was a guy they called him Lolo, where where I was at. He, all he did, he was constantly getting ointments and creams, and he he was always selling yeah, hygiene guy. He, he was selling yeah. shit like I, oh I got I got blah, like some like Neosporin antibiotic cream on the Lolo. Yep, and he was always he would give you like a great deal on this like cream. Yeah. But yeah, that he got for free from right. right that, yeah, that was his thing. He he was he was a salesman. His yeah. hustle was sales. Yeah, it was like an obsession. And then uh, there's always a guy named Lolo. But yeah, there's, yeah there's, but by the way, if you ever run into a guy named Man Man or Mike Mike, they'll beat your ass. <laughs> they can fight every time. I don't know what it is. They got hands. Yeah, hands is a hustle too. We can talk about that. Yeah, uh, hands is his own hustle. Um, but yeah, like there's like the. The, the the way to do time is to like do the hustle but then there's also the like just very basic survival like i i need i'm hungry so i will do fill in the blank so i can get some more food I, so i can get some cookies so i can feel like uh i don't know like i'm not like the odd man out here as well yeah, everybody's like, like breaking bread with each other and like mm-hmm. hanging out of their bunks like making food also becomes an obsession mm. and it becomes a way to pass time. So you yeah. get guys, groups of guys Pretty that they'll start at seven or eight o'clock in the morning, busting up chips and busting up soups and slicing pickles. And I never did that. It drove me nuts. If I was going to, I either cooked by myself or I cooked with one other buddy. And, and I, the guys who got together in groups and it would take 12 hours to make a burrito, like yeah. it drove me nuts, but, but I got it. You're just trying to waste time, you know? Yeah, yeah. not worth it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's a mentality to it. Uh, There's an obsession to it. There's guys who never, ever use the items that they have accrued ever. And this Mm. is where it all starts. When you go into the reception center in central Florida or Lake Butler, I think there's four reception centers in the state of Florida now. That's where they bring you in. They herd you in like cattle, strip you naked, strip you down to nothing, scream and yell at you, take your height, your weight, your temperature, rectally. Um, And uh, you get put in your dorm, you get assigned, and this is before you go to your main prison. That's where the hustle starts. And Mm. it starts with envelopes. Mm. So at this point, nobody has any commissary yet, right? Everyone's just getting in there, but you have your envelopes and your paper and maybe a pen that you've gotten from your county jail. They'll let you bring your personal mail, some pictures, and they'll let you bring your a envelopes. Book, right, two books, maybe like a Bible. Like you're uh, allowed. You're like, a Bible. Something is that what it is? Right. Yes. Okay. Right. Anyway. Yep. So so the hustle starts uh, in the reception center. Nobody has had a chance to go to commissary yet. Um, and for the people who have been there for a few days, maybe they've made one trip to commissary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sparse. These dorms are sparse. There's not a lot of people eating. There's not a lot of people with clothing or food. Everybody's frazzled because they've been naked and yelled at for hours. Uh, they're unfamiliar with their surroundings. They've not made any friends yet. Um, so uh, the envelopes become the very first hustle. And I have watched this with my own eyes. It, it blew my mind. I, I would watch these guys walk around and accrue these envelopes dozens and dozens of envelopes uh, trading off the, the little soups that they have to get these envelopes that they would take those envelopes and then trade for more soups and get those soups and get a whole nother set of envelopes. It just went in a giant circle. Nobody ever ate any soups. Nobody <laughs> ever used any envelopes. I was like, what the fuck's happening here? And then I realized it was the obsession with the hustle. It's just passing shit around. I'm, I'm involved in something. This is, this is like a, it's like a sport. It's like trading for sport. As, as, with no value gained or lost it's like this like sort of like you hand it to me now i'll hand it back to you now you hand it to me again it's just like a yeah it's like an yeah activity. i mean i think it's a hobby or something i want to look into the psychology of that i think part of it you're right kevin it's something to do and it's a way to pass time 
I think it's a little bit predatory and it's a way to like exert some power and some will. It's a way to show that like, you're not just going to sit around and like, you know, wait for something to come to you. You have a go-getter mentality. And I think there's a fair amount of it where people, a lot of people were hustlers on the streets Mm. and they developed that addiction that they are awake from Mm. 7 PM to 4 AM hustling um, in any number of black market situations. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that stops cold when you go to County jail. And then it starts back up. There's a little bit of hustling in county jail. Trays. Um, trays, trays, Yeah, yeah. trading food on trays. And then when you get to prison, it's like fired right back up again. So there's something in your brain that says, I can't sit still. I can't go to sleep. I've got to do something to like get. I need, I need, I need. I I, got to come up. Right, got to come up. I got to come up somehow. Okay, so well, that's good. That that feels like a good establishment of like, here's here's the money situation. Here's the economy. Here's some of the mindset of like, Here's what's going to happen. Right. And now I think probably what most people want to hear is like, what are they? What is the hustle? What are the hustles? Okay. Okay. Um, you want to go first? Sure. So the, the one that I, I think of first, and actually this came up last week with, with somebody I was talking to uh, who, who had done this themselves uh, is some people uh, for a hustle will actually wash other prisoners clothes. Laundry hustle. Laundry hustle. So if, if you say you have your, your, prison issued blues the, the the outfit that they give you and you want to like they become dirty you live in a dirty environment you need to wash your clothes so you can send them to the laundry and if you put it you know into the laundry system it comes back and when it comes back you realize what they have done is they have lit a witch on fire and, <laughs> and urinated all over that witch and then hovered your clothing over that steamy witch piss and then and then returned it to you so that's that's what happens if you send it. How to the- does something go through a washer and a dryer and come out ten times as dirty? I don't even understand it. It's astounding. It, it defies physics. Uh, I don't know how you are, but I <laughs> I did not give a shit about uh, how dirty my clothes were. I mean, I dropped something in the toilet the other night and I still used it. So you, you know, it. like I don't care. I'm gross, but yeah. but uh, you know, like. I just didn't care. I would watch guys for hours, like pressing their oh, uniform yeah, yeah. between yeah, yeah. books and creasing them before they went to visitation. Oh yeah. And they would call those uniforms my visos. My visos. I've got my visos on. It's, it's, this is the nice set that I saved just for visitation. Right. It, it's be, I think it's in a way to like present, like I'm still clean. I'm still like they. I'm not. I haven't given up. Or it was some way to like elevate what is clearly a a deflated life right i mean at that point which i i get why someone may do that but i called the guy out one time i'm like there is zero chance that your grandma is showing up to visitation and going wow you (laughs) it's prison sucks but god you look great are you You sure you're in prison yeah so nice i mean look Look at those crazy must be treating you well so so some people yeah they'll, they'll wash clothes so like uh you know like they'll get bleach they'll through whatever means they'll like they'll get like a little bottle of bleach bleach by any means necessary right? yeah and they'll, they'll get your whites keeping them white uh they'll wash your blue so they're like and and oftentimes they'll get some other like cleaning products they smell a little better they don't have that that witch piss smell uh there's a there's any number of like different like uh i guess like concoctions that people can come up with as, as the laundry person but actually i i admit i actually had a laundry guy okay for a while so i do want to like talk about the mentality behind the laundry guy because at the camps that i was at i don't know about where you were at but the camps where i was at the laundry was reserved for guys who were getting put down on and by put down on that means some some bigger larger possible gang member is forcing you into this hustle and that's your only way to survive and those people were called june junes Mm. a june june is a junior that means like you're you're smaller and tinier and you're up under this big guy and and there was actually a group of guys at the one camp i was at it was called the june june mafia i mean it was like a bunch of tiny guys running around doing favors for other guys but they stuck together like they had unionized you the couldn't, ju- the, the Junjun Mafia, the Junjun, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't call it that. They yeah, really yeah. missed out. Idiots. Let me go back and tell the, them. The guy, no, yeah, I had a, a guy who would wash my clothes for a while, uh, and he was at, he was not a Junjun. Okay, he was a sweet dude. His name was Bill Maher, and he, he called me Mr. Kevin. Bill Maher, you were in prison with Bill Maher. His name was Bill Maher. Oh, <laughs> Bill Maher, <laughs> not, not Bill Maher. Yeah, that'd be amazing. No, Bill Maher. I want to say his last name. He, he was a super sweet dude. 
uh, anyway, he, he would wash my clothes because he had nothing. His family lived in, in yeah. Mexico. Right. He, he had nothing and no one at all. He had no resources. So, and he, that was like the way he was making ends meet. And so he would have like a little extra food, a little extra humanity during his, his time in prison. So people wash clothes. That's, that's one, that's a pretty like vanilla hustle. Yeah. Quite frankly, that's, that's like, a, it's basic. Yeah. Right. It's pretty basic. Yep. Um, the hustle that uh, really comes to the front of my mind uh, was my hustle. Uh, and my hustle was, I was the ticket man. Mm. Uh, so in prison, uh, all sorts of gambling goes on, um, from the poker table to spades, to betting which guard is going to be on per shift. I mean, you name it and people bet in there. Uh, but the type of gambling that I was involved in was sports gambling. Uh, so I took my extensive often boring knowledge of trivial matters like sports and statistics. And this old bank robber from Jacksonville named Harold, I won't say his last name, but he talked like Foghorn Leghorn. He'd be like, <laughs> I say, I say, boy, I'm gonna teach you how to do them tickets. Oh, Jesus. And uh, yeah. so he taught me how to set the numbers. Basically, uh, I would get on the phone um, and I would have somebody give me the Vegas odds before the newspaper even showed up. I'd write down what all the Vegas odds were. Um, and then I would shift them and you had to have a psychology. Like you have to know who people are fans of in your dorm. And because I knew everyone in my dorm intimately, like I'm paying attention to everyone around me all the time. So I use that knowledge to go, well, everyone in here is a Florida state fan. So I'm going to tilt the numbers towards Miami and make them all bet on Florida state. Yep. And uh, you put out these little tickets of paper that have a list of all the college games the next day, all the pro games, and then the odds are set. World's smallest handwriting. Tiny, tiny handwriting. Yep. Uh, my my ticket was called Game Day. Um, there was oh, yeah. two tickets mm -hmm. on the compound. And uh, listen, so my very first time running this ticket, right? I had saved a bunch of commissary money, probably like two hundred dollars in my bank, and it was just tunas and some soups and coffees. And the way the odds work is if you pick four games right, it's 10 to one odds, right? So if you give me a soup and you pick four games right, you get 10 soups back. Mm -hmm. Five for 15, six for 25, 10 for 100. So 10, 10 picks. for one, you got pick 10, 10 it's 100 picks. to one odds. I have never seen anybody make a 10 pick. Uh, the way it was explained to me is, uh, it's super hard. I don't care how much you know sports. It's super hard to get four right. You think you know, but there's always that one game that trips you up. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, they got to get four right. You only got to get one right. So, so the odds are always in my favor. Yep. Well, my very first time running a ticket, uh, a guy hit me for a 10 pick. Hell yeah. $180. <laughs> and so I took all the money I had Take and I- it loaded them up in two big commissary bags and I walked it across the compound and I made sure everybody saw me. And after that, oh. everybody was like, oh, well, number one, Scott pays. And number two, his shit must be sweet. He, this guy has no idea what he's doing. It's Tell his me. first time running a ticket. Hit him over the head. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody ever hit me after that. And that's how I ate every week. Like, you know, my my family doesn't have a lot of money. Um, and so I didn't really get a lot of money put on my books, but um, I, I was able to like do pretty well in there by running tickets. I, and I, by the way, I want to add this. It is a very benign hustle. There are some hustles that are by nature, very predatory. Mm -hmm. uh, gambling itself is an obsession and addiction and it can be predatory, but, but the sports gambling wasn't because nobody was actually paying thinking that they were going to win all this money, right? There wasn't, a, there wasn't a manipulation going on. It was like, you don't care about the North Carolina BYU game or the Philadelphia 76ers Golden State game. You don't care about it. But now that you have one soup lying on it, sweating you sit ticket. there, you're sweating that ticket. You're yeah. sitting there watching this game with excitement and thrill. It's like paying to get on a roller coaster. So it's actually a fun hustle to run. Yeah, that, that to me, like I, I think I told you, I, I wrote, I was one of the ticket guys. A writer. In, in my yeah. dorm. So mm -hmm. like I, I wasn't the, the top of the pyramid for that ticket. Right. But one of my buddies ran it. So I was like, I was the guy that like wrote. And what'd you get? 20 cents on the dollar? I can't remember. Something like that. I, I, I did great, honestly. Yeah. I mean, because the, the ticket man always comes up on top, ultimately. Right. It's, it's like Vegas, like the casino, yeah. the house always wins, yep. basically. Uh, but yeah, it, it becomes like, that wasn't like, 
it didn't feel sinister. It was just like people engaging in something. It was like, a, yeah, way people to like, talk kill, shit. kill some time. Yeah. And they kind of be like, oh, fucking patriots or whatever, you know, like right. kind of get stoked on stuff. Right. I, I did that. And it was, it was fun. I, and I, it actually benefited other people around me too, because, you know, the money was actually food, which takes up a lot of space. You have a very small amount of space. So I would rent, I would rent other people's lockers that didn't have anything and, and they would, they would actually benefit from it as well. Because right. Yeah. I would break off some money, some money, you know, cookies, soups for them as well. So it, it, it was sort of like a, a win-win. It's trickle down economics works is what Kevin Scott's saying here. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. So uh, it's a real Adam Smith. Over uh, here. One of the other, uh, one of the other hustles, and this is a, a, a less nice one. We kind of hit it a little bit earlier. Uh, and not one of the most like well-known ones, but it is a thing of, of violence. Violence is its own hustle. There are people who are experts at violence uh, and maybe don't have any resources, don't have enough uh, food, don't have enough hygiene, whatever it may be. And so their hustle is if you need someone to be harmed, you pay me. It's like a hitman, basically. It's like a it's exactly what it is. It's, it's not a, basically. It, it, it's, a, it's a damager. And it's uh, usually its name's Man Man or Mike Mike. <laughs> so I there, there was a guy that I played music with uh, who was amazing. Dude was super funny, super talented, just like loved this guy. He was great. We had a great vibe. I, I would happily hang out with him now. Uh, but every now and again, somebody would be like, and be like, I, I got to go do some thing. And he would go and he would fucking bust tune somebody, somebody up. up. He would go tune somebody up. Yeah. He was just real good at punching motherfuckers in the head. Did you have to fight when you were in prison? Uh, no, I, I was fine, really. Yeah. Yeah. I got along with everybody. Yeah, I only had good. to fight one time. That was when I first got to ACI. Some guy kept coming over and sitting on my bunk and I knew he was trying something. And I just, I very nicely, respectfully told him to get lost. And he was like, get in the bathroom. So I had like one thing that happened, but it was like, silly it was and it was like in hindsight it was like that was not even really a thing. yeah it was like not even a, it wasn't like what you would imagine to be like a prison fight but there are people who like they are experts at prison fighting and yep. and like that is a, that is another form of of hustle it's sort of like you got a problem if you got enough money if you got enough resources and you want that problem taken care of you go talk to fill in the blank and they'll, they'll make that problem go away and, right. and, and either either they'll make it go in the way in the form of like they'll teach the person lesson enough that they'll never fuck with you again, or they'll hurt them so bad that they have to leave or that they got to go check in and they're going to ask to transfer to a whole other prison. So it's sort of like a, a problem solving through violence hustle. Yeah. Or that, you know, they're just so intimidated that they don't ever, you know, mess with you again. I mean, right. it, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that they go beat the person up. You know, sometimes they just go and it's like extremely threatening. Like I'm coming back. Look, like yeah, the face, the reputation is enough to be yes. like, oh fuck, like like that's okay. We're we're good. We're good. We're right. good. I'm copping deuces. That's it. All good. Um. So uh, another hustle, and I don't know if you agree with me on this. Um. We have had guests on this show who would totally disagree with me on this, but I felt like the law library was a hustle. Mm. Um, now mm. I felt like the law library as a hustle was a little predatory. Other people think that, uh, it was not predatory, that it was actually quality. And, and it depends on which jailhouse lawyer that you got. Uh, there was some people that were doing super quality work, really cared about you, really cared about your case. Um, and they would get you back, meaning they would send you back to County, uh, and you get a chance to go in front of your judge and plead your case again, uh, give back time, which means that you would get released um i never saw it what i saw was people taking hours and hours and hours to come through to find one word that was not the correct word and then all of a sudden they thought well i'm going to get to give all my time back because this says the word in but it was supposed to say the word out or whatever it is and they were right. got people in there that knew what they were doing and they had the job that put them in the library and they would charge you ridiculous amounts of money and they would sell you hope. They would sell you a dream. Um, and so I saw the law library as a big time hustle. Like giving, selling false hope for, for an astronomical price. Absolutely. That's, that's painful. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did see a little bit of that. My experience was, was not that. My experience okay. was good in the sense that maybe I was just at a good place at a good time with some good people for the most part. Like uh, the guy- Sounds like an Outback commercial. 
<laughs> no rules, just right. Uh, so the, no, I, I saw people that would like be like, hey, I I see the merit in your case. Like, you're right. Let, let me help you. Like, I, I that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I I want to help you. And I think they were they were lifers that could not help themselves, and so they felt like a almost like a a desire like obligation to help somebody else that they could help i think it was a way to like sort of rewrite their own story in some cathartic way yeah um and so there was the i'll do it for free uh there i also saw the honesty come up i was like you don't have a chance like I, I need to be real with you i need to like manage your expectations i did see a little bit of like if it was like you know yeah there's a little something here i don't really like like those persons so or like you know if you want to break me off a little something that would be good it's, it's a little beyond what i'm supposed to be doing here yeah. it's a little beyond the job description there's a little bit of that too um i have heard of, of people describing exactly what you're saying people that had come from other camps it would be like i you know i fucking put all of my eggs into this one basket with this one law clerk the guy lost my paperwork but, uh, he didn't yeah, do like anything it, he wrote it wrong right yeah so. there, there were some nightmares like that but i, I my experience at least Fortunately, where I was at was was positive. And actually, one of the guys that that was that I'm thinking of was such a good fucking dude. Um, I really love this guy. So I, I have a, I think my experience was a little different with it, a little bit. Um, next up. Okay. Uh, I'm almost I'm kind of running out of ones to think of, but like the the ones that are like, this is a pretty all encompassing one, uh, and this could be its own episode entirely. It's just like selling drugs, just like. I mean, like the hustle of like tobacco, narcotics. Wait, people had drugs and tobacco in there? No, no. Like, I mean, but basically, like, yeah. The we we we've talked about the the gambling. We talked about some of the fighting. The other thing really is just like the, the getting fucked up part. Before before we get into the drugs and tobacco, because that's a bigger extension to this. That's I want to. I have a big. I have a good one here that we. I don't want to glance over. Letters and cards. Oh, so oh, like the arts? you have. No right yeah that's true you have uh just some of the most incredible artists who have all the time in the world so they can like really hone their craft in there and a lot of them turn to making cards so mother's day father's day christmas easter anything that it's like motherfucking prison hallmark in there um (laughs) and they're like so um so uh so and they're extremely ornate like i watch guys who were like had the pop-up cards do you ever see those oh, like you would yeah. open them up and like things would spring yeah. out of it like confetti i'm like where'd you even get confetti it was crazy glitter i mean you know what i had never seen art wise until prison were the the clouds the big bubbly prison clouds you yeah know, like, they were on everything it was just like the filler right it, it, it's in everybody's tattoos it's in the cards yeah it's just these like big, where are you guys big, seeing all this smoke at just crazy <laughs> there's smoke everywhere where are these big bubbly clouds like, yeah. yeah uh no that that's a that's a great one i had i had totally forgotten about like yeah, yeah the the and, the artist the hey it's uh it's a good birthday card for your your mom it's right. mickey mouse holding the balloon or whatever the fuck it is yeah and, and letter writing I, I mean i i did that so like there was a lot of guys in there that were uh had low to no literacy and i would write letters home for their oh wow for their family or their girlfriend i never charged anybody um to write letters home mm. to their family but like there were guys who wanted like really flowery or neat or neat. Like I'm, I'm wondering how some of those relationships went when they got home and they realized that like this guy yeah. couldn't say any of this stuff that, and I was like putting all this, I was like Cyrano de Bergiac. I, I was going to say that, yeah. that, that, that you're living the movie. Right. <laughs> Wait, no, you're a fucking idiot. Right. <laughs> I thought you were dead. Uh, you know, Sorry, I, ladies. I tricked you into being with some yeah, people that you probably should. You're all in love with totally hot Lee Scott. Right. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I will say too, like when, it, when you mentioned like no charge, I, I guess I had a little bit of something like that with the music lessons. I guess typically for some people that is their hustle too. There were guys that were given like guitar, keyboard lessons, things like that. I, I gave people, I'm a drummer. I gave people drum lessons uh, while I was in there and I, I didn't charge anybody anything. Like I, I was always like, I just want to do this. This yeah. is just, the, the payment was the, the experience for me just to like, I don't know, just to have the, the connection with people and to like kind of see somebody like get it, you know, like, oh my God, like this person like to have like that kind of experience connection to something larger. So not everybody 
there's not always an angle you know what i mean like yeah. some, some people are just doing it because they they give a shit but the, but for some people letter writing could be an example music lessons people could monetize that of course yeah of course um so yeah let's get into tobacco and drugs um, let's get into drugs let's get into drugs um as we kind of round out the show here we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the big hustle and this is a chain it goes from the top all the way down uh corrections officers are involved often people on the streets your family there is a whole system going into getting uh contraband items into prison um i'm just gonna start with tobacco let's throw phones in there too phones as well yeah this is all i mean have you seen tiktok lately everyone's got a phone in prison now this is kind of like the whole it's crazy the illicit trade go ahead sorry uh well i just was gonna say uh the thing that i saw that was most prevalent and just let's just talk about tobacco and then apply everything we do with tobacco apply it to heroin crack cell phones um and then sort of like expand that out depending on what prison you're at uh i was at a couple of places that I never hardly saw drugs at all. Um, but tobacco was at every prison I was, I was at. So, um, so I just thought we could just t- talk about the, the way, the craft of getting it in, how to sell it, what the cost was. Yeah. So the, um, in 2011, 2010, uh, Florida state prisons ended tobacco use. Um, and that turned into one of the biggest, if not the biggest hustles in prison. And it, it comes with so many problems. It's, it's actually got way worse health problems and risks than if you just let people smoked, uh, <laughs> you know. So, um, so the way it works is um, the people that are circle back to the beginning part of the show where I said that there's people on outside work squads. Typically, this is how this goes someone leaves something at a job site uh those cigarettes usually they're like the cheap brown cigar cigarettes uh they are uh packed up so like 20 packs of cigarettes can fit in like three what is called bombs they're like fist size bombs they're wrapped super tight with cellophane some electrical tape over those and then bloop. where's that where's that going in your butthole it's going in your butthole right in the suitcase yep badaco is what i called it right in your badussy yeah uh, yep. so yeah. Mm-hmm. that was uh those little bombs sometimes big bombs uh were stuck in people's buttholes uh so you had to have the money person i'm so glad i didn't smoke yeah i'm so glad i'm i used to tell guys i'm like would you eat a blow pop that was in someone's butthole because it's wrapped up right the blow pop is wrapped up why would you not eat a blow pop that was in someone's butthole but you'll smoke a cigarette yeah so gross so gross enjoy it um (laughs) yeah okay so 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 someone drops off the tobacco mm -hmm. which means that money has to be transferred to a family member so that's a hustle the family member gets paid the family member gets paid to drop it off. Then you pay the mule, the person who breaks down the tobacco, puts it in their butthole and gets it past the guards into the person who it ends up in their well, this, hands. Just call them Lee. Right. Yeah, absolutely. For the sake of argument. I'll put anything up there. I don't care. No, you tell um, so um, so uh, did you have any friends that, that were the mule guy? I had a, I had actually had a close friend that did that. He told me how the whole thing worked. No, and I was like, not, not that I know people clearly like hid shit in their assholes in there. Uh, he got one stuck in there one time. I, I knew a guy hours. I knew a guy that, that said like, uh, I hate to even bring this up. There's a guy who, who had put a phone in his asshole, a phone, Hello. a phone. I, Hello. Like, I, don't even, I don't know what phase one of that operation was, but he got it done which is like fucking astounding. How do you begin anyway? By the way, this is like five or six years ago. You know how big those phones were, right? We're talking like Nokia flip phones. We're not talking like a little, we're talking big ass phones. Crazy shit. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So literally yeah. big ass phones. So it's coming, it's coming from the outside. Clearly. Yes. And, and so it could be uh, a prisoner bringing it in in their suitcase. It could be, it could be a, a Lee 
Ali bringing it in from the outside in, in his butthole. Or it could be, and my experience more oftentimes was coming from staff members, from, from guards, from civilians who were employed at the prison, they would bring it in. And then uh, for like a, basically a, a huge markup, you know, like a, a pack of cigarettes cost on the street. How much, how much is a carton of cigarettes on the streets? Uh, of the cheap, cheapo brand. I don't even know. I'm I think so it was out of the loop three fifty a pack for ten packs. So it's about thirty-five to fifty dollars. Those packs, each cigarette is broken down into four smaller cigarettes, and those four cigarettes cost a dollar a piece. Mm -hmm. So it's four dollars for one cigarette. That's eighty dollars per pack for something that costs three fifty. Correct. So you can imagine there's thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm at risk here yep. so you know fights happen over this like all sorts of stuff happens families are threatened if they decide to stop doing it it's it's a whole thing that goes on yeah it's a big deal i, I even saw this is despicable uh smuggled in by a a guard bring it in deliver it to the prisoner as arranged uh leave come back later bust that prisoner for the very tobacco that the guard himself had brought in reclaim it and then go sell it again to somebody else oh yeah so i mean it's like it's a uh, you know predatory uh, on a bunch of different levels and like and then also like it's damaging the person outside the person inside it's just the whole buttholes the whole, the whole thing, damaging buttholes the whole thing is fucked up but that's uh and that so like you said earlier you, we can take the word tobacco and we can kind of swap that out with phone cocaine marijuana Heroin, Tucci. crack, yeah, synthetic. The scourge the of tooch. prison these horrible. days. Horrible. Really, the scourge of Even pretty outside. much any institution, yeah. including, uh, I'm not going to go any further, but including places I'm familiar with, the scourge is this synthetic marijuana known as Spice, Tucci, K2, Katie, K2. Um, and for those of you that don't know, uh, there was a synthetic marijuana created. 15 20 years ago um it got banned um and so everyone from the chinese to cartels to people locally have have basically altered the chemical process so that they could continue to sell it in head shops and stuff and even that was banned so now it's just people making it on the streets and it's basically raid mm -hmm. it's raid sprayed on whatever items uh now in prison they spray it on legal work so it's sprayed on legal work. Um, they have stopped mail in a lot of prisons because it was being sprayed on letters. Um, so they, they started spraying it on legal work because you can't stop legal work from coming in. Um, but it's sprayed on whatever item and then it's smoked. And the effects of this stuff, the closest thing that I could say the effects are um, is, is like inhaling the duster where people are just catatonic. Yep. Um, they uh, can't speak. They turn green. They have seizures, vomit. Uh, vomit. Yeah. Um, and then they come out of it and they are agitated, cranky, pissed off. And, and to get that low, the only way to come back up is to get high again. So it's just a constant yeah, it, it is like addiction. Super obsessive. People yes. get like super hooked on it. And yeah, like the consequences are, are dire. Like physically, people die from it. Yep. People like putting themselves at like great risk just to get it. People fight and steal it. Like it, it becomes like- You a, lose years of your gain time. It's, it's like a totally consuming situation. And, and so like the, the hustle for that, for the person who's selling, uh, you know, like the, there's somebody in prison who's kind of like distributing, like they're, they're the guy who's doing it. Like they make, you know, the potential of earnings is, is astronomical for them, especially on the inside, uh, making a ton of money. Um, Astronomical. I get it. I see what you did there. Thank you. The butthole. Yep. Oh, the butthole. Uh, so yeah, that's, that is a major one and really uh, fast as well. Like it, cause that one is, it's not like writing a ticket where you're like, ah, oh, we're just some guys in the dorm having a good time. Right. Like this is like there's people on the outside. There's like sometimes it's connected to other institutions. Like that's the like whole gang activity, that, 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 all sorts of that, stuff. That's yeah. a big deal, and yeah. uh, it wasn't something that I was involved in uh, when I was inside. But I I know people that have been involved in it. It's it's fucking intense. It's super intense, and there's a lot of you know people people dying behind it outside. People dying behind it while they're in prison. Like it's it's a uh, it's it's as dangerous as any other you know drug world. I want to uh, end here as we wrap up talking. Let's, you know, 
what you just said there kind of circles back to the mentality portion of this conversation. When you're talking to somebody about uh, the illness, the often deadly consequences uh, involved with this particular hustle, um, especially with Tucci, which is not benign. Um, cigarettes is arguable. It's unhealthy, and yes, you can die from it, but it's many years later. Um, but when you're when you're talking about this, and, and I've had this conversation with people before, and they're like, "My family's not sending me any money. I can't provide for my kids. I can't provide for my family. I'm stuck in here." How are you going to sit there? When you have a family, when you have support, when you have someone to go home to, how are you going to tell me that I shouldn't be selling this stuff uh, for, for, you know, this guy's going to buy this Tucci anyway. He's going to do it anyway. Why should someone else get that money? How can you sit there in your tower and look down on me for selling this uh, when I can be sending thousands of dollars home to my family? My kids are out there right now. And, and how can you tell me that like, I shouldn't be, shouldn't be hustling this. And, you know, and I, and I tried, I've, you know, I taught classes in there. We've tried to have really intense dialogue about this stuff. And the thing that always worried me was, do you want to continue to sell drugs when you go home? The answer is almost always no. When I go home, I'm getting a job. I just want to see my kids. So how are you going to sell drugs while you're in here? And then the day you get out, you're going to stop like that, that back to that mentality, back to that obsession. It just keeps continuing. It's, it's, it's a lateral, you know, you just keep moving. You keep yeah. doing it when you come home. So like, what is the argument though? Like, other than like the psychological part of like, Hey, if you do it in here, you're probably going to do it out there. How do you tell someone that like they're poisoning people that like it, it's not healthy? Like, how do you how do you have that conversation? I don't know if you can. I mean, I, I think maybe some people might be a little available for that conversation, maybe. But I think for some people, uh, not the right place, not the right time. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just doing what I'm doing. I got to get by somehow. I got I to do my thing and like, fuck it, fuck it. I mean, like, there's like a, you know, there's a pretty serious case of the fuckets that can come into people's lives while they're in prison, you know, like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Like, fuck right. it. Life is meaningless. Like, this is all about suffering. This I'm is, in the void. Yeah like, yeah. like, like, what's the fucking difference? Like, you know, like this guy dies, doesn't die. It's all the same to me. Like, I don't like, even know the guy. Yeah. Like there, there's a, there's a coldness that is almost like, for some people, I think, like, feels, like, necessary uh, to, like, just sort of, like, navigate the rocky waters of their life, and so... Detachment. Yeah, like, like for some people, like, that's just, like, primal survival, like, this is what I know, this is the way for me to do it, I'm gonna come up, I don't give a shit what happens to anybody else, like, this is, like, I'm taking care of me, it's all about me, like, I am all that I am, like, focused on. Um, yeah, for some people, I think that's just, that's, that's life, that is life. Uh, and I think for some people, like you're saying, I, I've, I know people that have like been in, gotten out, gone back in, and that has been, and like they were able to see the connection of like, I was doing it before I went in. I maintained it when I was in there the entire time. I came out and of course I just continued what I had known. And then I suffered the consequences again. And I realized I missed my chance to like interrupt the game. Uh, and then kind of like changing it the second time and then getting out of it yeah but it, it, it's hard to you know if the game is what you know if it's glamorous if it's all around you if you're kind of you know sitting in those waters at all times it's hard to like zoom out to maybe like see what's happening so i think for some people they just sort of maintain it maintain it and, and it sucks too because the, the prison creates that um kind of like how we started like there's like it creates the need it creates the the void of like the, the immense, your, the starvation, the lack of hygiene, the lack of humanity, the lack of like- The isolation. The, the decent, yeah, there's just like no sense of like uh, a thriving life or like, you know, hope. And so like for some people, like, you know, like the, the environment of the prison itself doesn't create any inspiration to change. In fact, it almost creates like the inspiration to maintain some sort of like whatever it takes to get by and here, whatever it takes to like get me mine. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it lights your soul and your heart on fire and 
there, what ashes are left and but you have no reserves or capacity to build that stuff up again and then um the psychological disillusionment that you have and the detachment you have from the people around you that you didn't know and then you never will see again creates this atmosphere then you you that's all the gasoline and then you take the dire need where you're just thinking with the back part of your brain and that's the match that lights all this stuff on fire yeah well kevin there's the hustle that's it yeah uh, i mean there's, yeah there's more i mean like well i'm sure as we continue these conversations we'll we'll get back into the world of hustle it'll come up again we might think of others that people have used we wanted know. to do this episode sort of as a glossary um so that in further episodes when you hear us reference this stuff then then we can go back to it yep i've noticed in this new camera angle i talk with my hands i never like do i if you've known me to do that look at this yeah, i can't even say words without doing this thing what is this <laughs> i'm like a fucking air traffic controller a hand um all right well uh make sure you like rate and subscribe follow us on twitter at uncarcerated want to email us your story maybe there's a hustle that we left out maybe you want to share your own story at uncarcerated pod gmail that's uh at uncarcerated pod at gmail um, shorts uh, you could call Kevin. That's 352. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh-huh. We'll be back. We've got a few really special guests coming up. Um, we've had stoked. a couple of cancellations over the last couple of weeks. So we just decided to do this because it'll set you up for further episodes. But please, 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 I cannot implore you enough. Um, I know a lot of people are watching this and uh, and haven't hit the like or rate or subscribe button down there. It really helps. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about the show. It just takes two seconds. Um, and that comment helps increase the visibility of the show. And we want to get these stories out to as many people as possible. Keep hustling. Yeah. All right. Later.